Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Internet's Breadth. I am Jonathan, and I welcome you to come along my journey to interview the people of the Internet, asking them questions I have in front of me today. We have Dylan. Dylan, how you doing? Jonathan, I'm doing really well, man. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm doing fantastic considering the week. So I, I have a hard question. What's your favorite pizza topping? Favorite pizza topping. I'm going to go, I'm going to be scandalous a little bit and say mushrooms because I feel like everyone's going to want to go for a meat topping right away. So I'm going to say mushrooms. Interesting you say that. Last two episodes, no, it wasn't meat. Do you want to know what it is? Peppers. No. It, the first one was corn. All right. Okay. Who's the joker that picked corn? <laughs> I got to know. <laughs> I got to know. Okay, so what was the other one? Corn and what else? Uh, pineapple, which once I heard the corn, like the pineapple was a lot less offensive. Yeah, I I mean, I, I'm not opposed to corn, but that's an odd, like you would assume most people would just say like, oh, of course, pepperoni or sausage or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm from uh, the Midwest of the U.S. There's plentiful amounts of beef and chicken. People put those on pizza. Um, there you can, beef and feta is a really nice combination if you want something that you, that you don't normally get. But I love mushrooms. Like I could get double or triple mushrooms on a pizza and would thoroughly enjoy it. So I'm going to stick to that. You know, as far as like mushrooms go, I wouldn't like, t I, I'm not the type of person to like pick them off, but I'm not going to order it with mushrooms. If that makes sense. I get that. Yeah, I mean, the, the most common argument against mushrooms on a pizza is like, it's fungus. Why would I want fungus on my on my food? Which is valid. I mean, but we eat all kinds of things from nature. And they're really, I love how they absorb, they absorb whatever kind of seasonings and sauces and whatever you put on them really well. And so you still get the mushroom flavor, but it, then it's always customized to whatever else is around it. Um, so I, I think it's more versatile than, than people give it credit for, but it, yes, it is a fungus. And if that grosses some people out, I get it. <laughs> you know, some of them are really good. Uh, my old teacher, old science teacher planted mushroom by a, uh, saltwater, uh, pond and the river started producing fresh water. And the river started producing fresh it, water. Not okay. Not river. Sorry, a little stream. There were okay. they they were a biologist, advanced biology, and they tested the water that was in the pond, and then they tested the water from the off stream from the mushrooms, and it was actually fresher because the mushrooms were eating it up and then spitting it out. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. So. Good on pizza and good for the environment. Bonus points for mushrooms. Yeah, that see, is what I'm hearing. It's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. Cool. That was the hard question? No, that, that was the easy one. Uh, oh, I, okay. just, I just made it seem to be hard so you feel a little better. Now I'm going to smack you with this one. What do okay. you contribute back to society? Man, see, that you thought it was going to be hard. It's so easy to just say nothing. And then I can just say I contribute nothing back to society. Um, but that can't be the sad. real answer, right? Because I'm no. on a podcast. So <laughs> I naturally, I have to sound much smarter now and, and thoughtful and more caring than I really am. Um, if you, if you want the real answer, it's, it's interesting because I've always found, um, I've always found myself working for tech companies. Mm. Um, it's just something that I've been drawn to. And, and there's the easy argument that, that, um, all the tech that we have in the world is taking a lot of like, 
natural resources out of the world, and yada, yada, yada. But we also hear a lot about how technology can make the world a lot easier and better in many different ways. And one of my favorite things that I ever did, I don't know if, am I allowed to mention brands or companies that I worked for? I don't know how much. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. Um, it, it, not that it really matters which company, but I, I did a long stint for um, uh, Bose, the audio company uh, yeah. out of Massachusetts. And whether you like Bose or not is irrelevant. But um, the one of the fun things about that is it was it, it was less practical. Um, nobody needs music in their life, but we all kind of do, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. um, a lot of the barrier for entry with technology is is ease of use or how difficult or complicated is something. And so um, a lot of what I loved uh, working there, whether you like them or not, they're sort of the Apple of audio products. It's like we're going to kind of have a proprietary system um, for how we do things, but we're going to make things easier for the end user. And so one of the things that I loved about that was um, I was there, uh, I worked there for a long time out of an era of a lot of complicated stereo systems, you know, the the rack of components and the tall tower speakers. And you'd have a lot of people that would come in and it's like, yeah, I bought all this stuff. I, I just don't know how to use it. And I just want to enjoy my favorite, like, album. Like, I just, music just, like, transports me to another place. And so um, a lot of what I love doing there was just making things simple for people again. So they didn't have to fiddle. Uh, they didn't have to mess with something to get it working. It didn't become a barrier to entry as far as I just want to enjoy my favorite album, you know, with, without something being complex or complicated. Yeah. And so that was one of the first times that I really saw how simple technology could make super enjoyable, enriching, rewarding experiences for people. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. It, it was just that, um, it was a job that if, if the retail environment in America were different, I probably could have done it forever. Mm. Um, but it, it was just, it, you know, to, to be able to hear people literally just put a CD in and hit one button and then it just fills a whole room with sound and, and, you know, tears brought to their eyes because it's not about the music itself. It's always connected to a memory or an experience or, you know, they're listening to some opera piece that they heard, you know, on uh, somebody, you know, when they went on their honeymoon or they're listening to a piece of music that their kids, you know, sang at a recital when they were little. And so those kind of beautiful moments that you would have where technology wasn't the barrier for them. Technology was the thing that that brought them joy. And so I've always found myself working for tech companies, and I've always wanted to stay on that side of it, kind of this simplify the experience, um, make technology feel more accessible to people, um, and and help them, um, help anybody that I was working with have a better experience because of it, not feel like it's um, some complex thing that that they've got to sort of wrangle every time that they, they want to do something. Um, I don't know that that answers the question on what I, what do I bring to the world to make it better, but it's just one of those little things that made me feel good. And and I felt like there were just enough times where I might've helped other people feel good that, um, I, I hope that's one. I hope that's something that I've done. Um, and then, uh, and then your world kind of shifts. I don't know if you have kids, but I have a little one and, uh, and that brings a whole new meeting for what have you done for the world? Because now you've got this little human you're responsible for. That um, not only do you need to make sure that they grow up to be smart and kind and compassionate, um, but uh, you want to make sure that, that they go out and do the same thing in the world and and be all those things. So I hope 
I hope that uh, across my careers uh, in various tech-related things, I've made people's lives easier and better. Um, I, I hope my little human um, will be kind and compassionate uh, and a good human being that will help in the world. I, I mean, it's it's always easy to say you donate to the local food bank and stuff like that. So there's there's some of that. But um, those are a couple of things that came to mind. I don't know if that's the answer you wanted, but it's it's the one that came out. It's the answer you provided. You know, talking about like uh, bow, bows and like people, I actually started like I started taking notes because I understand like having having older people within my life. It is I'm not going to say annoying, but it gets on your nerves when every other like day they call you with a technology question that you know you've answered before. <laughs> and so it makes yeah. it so much easier to like, you know, just hearing about like, put it in, press this button and light up your life. You know, like I yeah. under I understand the simplicity that comes behind that statement. Uh, mm-hmm. And like talking about like uh, technology and if it was, you know, whether you believe it helps or not, I actually wrote a paper where Technology is the best thing to happen to humanity, but it's also the worst thing to happen to humanity. And so, you know, it's a rare argument where both sides are technically correct. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's not a right or wrong answer with that. And yeah, like leaving behind that, the idea that you left it better. I mean, I feel like that's just a goal that humanity should have in general. And it's especially great that it's members a few members that have that goal uh, because that that makes life-altering changes and differences in other people's lives that you may not see. You might not mm-hmm. see today, tomorrow, or ever. But because you have that perception and that goal and the ability, it it makes a world of difference. Yeah, and and I think I totally agree. I think the thing is like technology, and and I've I've used that initial phrase that it it's the best and the worst thing in the mm-hmm. world. I, I say the same thing about the internet. But regardless of what we do, technology and the internet aren't going away. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is is try to find the best in it, um, and try to make the most of it. And it and and those just happen to be a great example of of mm-hmm. one of those things. Like. It's not. It, it's almost sort of the, the Apple versus is Apple versus Android or Mac versus PC debate, which I don't really care to have. But there <laughs> there are merits to both sides. It's like you can yeah. you can appreciate that. You know, PC is highly customizable, but with that comes um, potential breaks in the user experience, right? Mm. And then Apple, you could, if you like Apple, you can argue that they control the ecosystem for the benefit of the end user. And if you don't like Apple, you would argue that they control it for purely for their own monetary gain. And so, um, you, you know, it, it's, there's, there's no right and wrong in there unless you, you know, you really have a strong opinion one way or the other of what you like better. Um, but either way, technology and the internet aren't going anywhere. So the best best thing we can do is make the most of it in a positive way. Um, and so I think there's uh, it's the same reason why I love some of these articles about how like, and I don't know if any of this stuff works, but it's like some country somewhere in the world is using drones to plant thousands of trees a day or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So you read stuff like this and you're like, that's incredible. And there's of course terrible things that are happening because of technology. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't negate you know all the dark web and all of that you know stuff that that goes around. You can't you can't. 
can't negate all of that with some good, but you can't appreciate the heck out of it. And, and I was seeing it on a really small scale, right? So like somebody's crying because they put in, you know, they're listening to Turindo Act 3, the song Nessun Dorma, and they're tearing up because it's one of their favorite pieces of music. Like I'm not, I'm not changing the world for the better. Um, but I think a certain level of like compassion and humanity and, and, and bringing that to the next person is a teeny, teeny, tiny little fraction of that, right? Like for most of us, that's the best that we can do, uh, you know, in, in any normal day. Yeah. And I mean, the, um, and the, so, yeah, I, it's, the, I mean, the domino effect, the domino you could, you could have changed yeah. the future and not know it. And, and and that's what you hope, right? And so and and that's the same thing that that I mentioned with my my kiddo, right? So like I don't know what's going to happen out of that. I, I can try to do the best job that I can do, um, and and hope for the best. But um, I what I hope is that there's a huge domino effect, regardless of what they want to do with their future, whether they're a janitor or whether they're a senator or whether they're you know, a linguist or whether they go across the world as a missionary. And I, I don't, I, I don't control what they do, but I hope that if I instill enough goodness and you put enough goodness out there that, uh, that you're exactly right, that you'll have some level of domino effect there. Um, you know, whether it's just that, or if you're, if you're into the karma thing, or if you have religious beliefs and you feel like those kind of acts are a part of what you're supposed to do for your faith, it doesn't really matter what you call it or how you paint it. Um, ultimately, but you hope that you put enough of, of that out that, that you're exactly right, that that's what comes out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I think that was probably the best reply I, I've gotten yet. Response. <laughs> and it all started because I helped people that were technology illiterate. Exactly. You know, with a simple CD player, right? See, uh, and here that's we how, are. That's how simple some things are, you know? Um, so on to the next question, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, is it more important to help yourself, help your family, help your society, or help the world? Mm. <sighs> yeah. If, if I, you, you know, it, I mean, if you'd like a, a little time to think, I can go ahead and give you my answer. Please, go ahead. It, I, I would say, as far as most important, it would be, A, I'm going to do it as a priority thing, to help yourself because if you are not in the right position, if you are not uh, mentally healthy, if you are not able, then there is your effect on other people, I would find is limited. Uh, similar to the statement that... Um, now, uh, I would find certain cases different, but... You, it's hard to love other people when you don't love yourself. And so I think it, it's important to put a few of your priorities first. And then secondly, I would say helping your society. Um, because hope, helping the world is such a mass cultural change that is kind of extremely hard to do. And, and society is a little, little more manageable. But I, I think it would either be helping yourself or helping your society. Sorry, family. Love you. But um, society as a whole, I would put a little more value in as, as far as uh, helping. What would you say? 
All right. So my options are myself, my family. What are the other ones? Society or the world. Okay. So I'm going to cheat and just say yes. Uh, <laughs> but, but I love, I love your response because it, frankly, an hour isn't enough time to answer this question because it, <laughs> it, it almost entirely depends on the kind of conversation you want to have. Because, and, and as soon as I pick one, Somebody that's thinking about another one of those categories is going to tell me why I'm wrong because and they can and, and depending because on they the, have a nobler cause right yeah um so but I do love your point because there's this whole idea it, it, it's really the um, emergency evacuation off of a of, off of an airline instruction right so you know you put on your own safety vest first because if if you're not that you can't help anybody else so you put your own on. And then you put your spouse or your children or your passengers, you know, nearby. So I totally understand why you would pick that. There's also, and that's probably true. You have to be in a healthy place to be able to help and serve other people. Um, I've also heard, you know, um, I have a bit of a faith-based background. So I've heard people talk about things like, mm. you know, if you want to raise, if you want to raise your own self-image, go out and genuinely raise the self-image of other people. Okay. And that will and that will buy that will impact you back directly because you're going out there. Um, you know, if you're feeling too self-involved, go out there and volunteer and donate your time, things like that. And that'll give you some perspective on a lot of your own stuff. Um, that's not one of the categories because I mean it kind of is your your society. That would be yeah. maybe your near near or your local society. Yeah. Um but then I also think that there's there's things that you you can do for your family. Somebody's gonna if I say me first, or if I society, say society or world, somebody's gonna say, "Well, I have a family member who deals with X, Y, and Z, and they require a bunch of my time outside of work." Well, then that's the right answer. And um, I'm, like, definitely want to be clear: like, we're not saying just choose one and that's it. Yeah, no, but that's my. I, it's a compliment to your question because there's there's no for my answer it really is just yes because there's there's no right or wrong and it's entirely contextual in my opinion um and that's not that's not like one of those things where we say like all opinions are equally valid well if there's an expert in the room the expert's opinion is probably more valid <laughs> right so like you know there are times when you know maybe not everyone's opinion is exactly equally valid but yeah. this is one of those times where it's like everyone's lives and involvement in uh, is so different like I just imagine somebody who during COVID, like they have a job where they're solely responsible for their own thing. They don't have to work with any teammates or colleagues. Like their whole world might literally be them at home and then just there with no family nearby with their community around them. Yeah. And then you've got somebody else who might live with a relative who has some kind of severe disease that like their whole worldview is totally different than the last person's. Um, they're just dealing with entirely different things. And it actually, it's funny too, because it, it brought up, um, there's a series, um, uh, off Rob Bell, uh, is a, as a Christian author, you don't have to be a Christian or care about Christianity at all, but he has a podcast called the Robcast, and there's a four part series called me, we, and everybody. And it basically takes a deep dive into personality types and, and as it relates to how people think about themselves and eventually they might slip into thinking more about we, like their immediate tribe, mm. and then how they eventually move into a place where they're thinking more about everybody or more of a global view. And there's good and bad to each of those 
personalities and being in each of those stages depending on personality. And so it's, again, regardless of anyone's views on faith or Christianity, it's really irrelevant for that series. It's super fascinating because I think it's a lot of what we see on social media and a lot of the discussion that, we, that we're having with people where it's like, well, you're only thinking about yourself. And then somebody else is like, well, you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do this or that. And it's, it's like, well, I'm thinking about the whole world. So my cause is more noble. And so it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating kind of four part series from Rob Bell and, and another guy where they break down a lot of this kind of stuff. So I'm, I want to just answer yes. Um, <laughs> but for the sake of, of your question, I'm going to try to answer it. And I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say family and then society. If I'm picking family first and society, because I think there's a lot to be said for if you're serving other people, um, I think that's going to give you a lot of perspective on your own stuff. But that's not to say that if somebody is mentally in an, a really unhealthy place, that they should just be worrying about, you know, falling over themselves to do things for everybody else. Right. Yeah. So like anyone listening, take that with a grain of salt. If you need some sort of mental health support or something, you're dealing with things, then clearly take care of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think there's something to be said for serving your family and, and serving um probably than society, you know, at large. Um, but that's really hard to rank because a lot of communities, you know, are, are, are need help too. So it's, it's a great question. And, um, we'll, we'll need another, uh, 10, 10 or 12 hours. to I think hash through everything. And well, you know what, if they like you enough, I would be totally down to do a part two. Anytime you call me up, we got it done. <laughs> Oh, shucks. Well, you haven't let me finish the episode yet, so you might want to retract that, but I I appreciate it. This is great. All right. So uh, what life-altering things should every human ideally get to experience at least once in their lives? If I if I can go first, it's not yeah, like it, it's not life-altering, but I think it's extremely important. Um, culture shock. Mm-hmm. I I strongly believe that anybody young with with permissions of your parents go take a road trip with your friends to a different culture. Not like, you know, mm-hmm. Florida to the beaches or California. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like experience the culture around you. And if you're in America, I mean, you can go across a couple of states and find a completely different culture depending on where you are. If you're in a different country, well, a lot of countries are right next to each other. So just go experience another country. And I think because it's so valuable to understand that the way you grew up, the way you were taught, the way you believe things could be extremely vastly different to a level you didn't even know existed to other people. Uh, I know the biggest thing across the world from America, a lot of uh, Chinese and Asian cultures, their entire system is different. And not talking about like, you know, government system, but their entire social and cultural structure and how they view the world, how they view like things like respect, how they view honesty, how they view themselves is so much different so much different than how we view things in america at least where i am and so i think the biggest 
thing, if you want to be able to go out and enjoy yourself uh, socially, is that go and force yourself into a culture shock where you can experience other people and learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's beautiful, man. I, you know, I, I'll have a different answer because I think it'll be good for well, the conversation. So. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, I think that's incredibly important. And I think that's, um, I think people underestimate the value of genuinely being open to new cultural experiences different than your own. Mm-hmm. Now, some people are going to say, there's a huge barrier of entry because I don't have the money to travel or I don't, whatever. There are people who have grown up in urban centers that have never been to a farm. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody. It's just a fact. Yeah. And there are, there are people who grew, who have grown up on farms and in rural areas who have never been in a museum of art or who have never been to a Broadway show. And I'm not making fun of them either. This, this isn't, I don't think people have to sort of trot around the globe. Although if you can do that, I think it's incredible. There's something to be said for walking through, you know, Hagia Sophia or the Taj Mahal or Burj Khalifa or something like that and seeing some of these places. But I think there's a, there's a lot of things much more local to us than we realize that would be very enlightening if we went in with open eyes and open minds and we're genuinely trying to just see what the world was like. So where did, where did you grow up? So I am from a very small town. In fact, it's so small, it's called a village. I am from oh, a village in right. Northwest Ohio. See, I, 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 actually, I grew up in the city and then I moved to the farm. And so, mm-hmm. I, and so what you're saying is like, it, that's exactly what I take for granted because that's what I grew up in. But I, mm-hmm. know, I know the difference between, you know, quote unquote city people and quote unquote country people. Like you don't have to go across the world. And I, I didn't mean to imply that, but oh, just no, not at all. going to see your, your, uh, your, your neighbors. Uh, well, okay. Neighbors here is like a few miles, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And, and you didn't imply you have to travel the globe. I think that's encouraged if people can, but I, I think sometimes people here travel and they think much bigger than it has to be is my point. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of Americans that could travel a state or two away and would see wildly different things than they've ever grown up. I mean, if you're not from, um, if, if you're from the middle of the United States, like we both are, um, you could travel to Charleston, South Carolina and try food and see things that you've never seen before. Um, you could do things that you've never gotten to do before. That wouldn't be a big deal to anyone from South Carolina, but to us would be, drastically different than how we grew up. I mean, um, I remember getting to take a a little, a tour boat ride out to Fort Sumter when I went to South Carolina and then trying Southern food that I had never tried before with spices and things that I, I, we didn't have growing up. The the Midwest has a, of us as a pretty neutral palate. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's just super different than how we grew up and it's fascinating. Um, and so I, I think you're, you're spot on, man. I mean, you, you can, you've seen the urban and rural thing. And and look, there's a reason that every time we have an election, 
Um, there's just differences between people in the world. Yeah. And there's a reason every time there's a political, a huge political election, presidential, whatever, there's a reason why they break it down. Uh, a lot of these demographics down into urban versus rural mm. men versus women, college educated versus not. I don't think anyone's trying to be critical, but you realize there's pretty different worldviews once you start to parse out all those demographics. Yeah. And so um, there's a reason for that. And again, I, I, this isn't one American is better than another urban is better than rural or whatever. I, that, that's all nonsense, but we can all stand to learn a lot more from one another. So I think your answer is spot on. Um, so I love that. I think um, I think travel is is a huge thing, and you you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Um, I think it's fascinating to think about places like Europe, where you have so many different countries and cultures, in relative to the United States, such a small area, where the United States is huge. And places yeah. are wildly different from one another, um, and and not in a bad way. If you're from Washington State, you have a very different existence than somebody who lives in Texas, who mm-hmm. has a very different existence from somebody in West Virginia versus New York versus Florida versus Kansas versus Ohio versus California. And so, um, I think that's I, I think that's just important. As much as we can travel and have open hearts and minds and eyes to see different people's worldviews. And that doesn't even speak to anyone not native to the U.S., right? Like, so you can go learn about people that live in West Virginia and what their whole life is like. That doesn't speak to somebody that came here from India or Japan or from Germany or from Russia or from Brazil or um, anywhere else in the world that uh, that came here for whatever reason. So uh, my different answer, though, because I think travel would have been it, but I, I want to throw something else out there. Um a life-altering experience. That was the question, right? Yes. <clears throat> I, I'll say whatever, whatever somebody is most afraid of, and again, disclaimer, I'm not talking about legitimate anxiety and mental health stuff. If you have legitimate stuff, please talk to somebody. But I'm talking about the, some of the normal levels of fear that most people experience in regards to their relationships, um, their religious communities, their careers, I think people underestimate how big of a deal it is to take to look at something in your life that causes the most fear and to attack it ferociously head on until you've basically conquered that fear. I I, I think people really underestimate how much value there is in that and how much smaller most other things that cause fear in your life feel once you've done something like that. Yeah, um, because I think it's it's really important for people to try to develop the attitude that whatever they're most afraid of, that's the thing they should attack head on first, um, especially professionally. Like you're given a project or, or it's school or it's whatever, and you really are uncomfortable with the whole idea of tackling this whole big thing. Um, I th- I think that's one of the biggest one of the most life altering things you can do, whatever you're most afraid of in life, just attack it, get help along the way, figure out how to accomplish what you need to accomplish or get as far as you can if you genuinely can't succeed at it. But at least you'll know that you've tried and at least fear won't feel as big in your, in your mind and in your life in the future when you have similar things come up. 
I think there's a tendency to, as you're young, you back away from those things and you, you find other projects or sports or things that are less scary. I think there's a lot more value in just attacking those things head on. Um, that's my two cents. I think the travel one was great though, too. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, going back to the travel thing, just slightly, I mean, that's the purpose of the show. I'm asking random people. I mean, I've had a person from Britain, from Tanzania, from Australia, from, oh, I feel bad, uh, somewhere in Asia. And, like, it's basically asking them these philosophical questions. And, you know, where where you and I, you know, hitting the nail uh, and and reinforcing, uh, but having, like, talking to some of those where... I would say, yeah, I value this more. And they were like, well, I value this more. And it's so interesting. I really encourage everyone to check out the other episodes. But um, yeah, and you're, you're sta- like, and I feel once you tackle your, your biggest fear, depending on the outcome, it, it's really beneficial. You know, yeah. it, it, it's really, you know, uh, hearkening back to the question, it, it's, it's life altering. It really mm-hmm. is. And it's something that's not incredibly. It's I would say it's easier to do than other life altering things. All right. <laughs> as far as life altering <laughs> right. things go. Um, yeah. Wow. You know. Yeah. So. What two questions would you ask to get the most information about who a person truly is? And these can be open-ended or closed-ended questions. I can ask any two things. Yeah, it's just two things. So I would I would like to go back to my... Um, <laughs> so I to get on to this podcast, there's a questionnaire that is open for anyone listening to fill out, by the way. It, it has a question that's called, is what is your favorite building? Which that's going to be mm-hmm. changing here soon because I found a better one. But... Judging just by on the answers, it it tells me so much about the person. It tells me so much. And I uh and it's just what is your favorite building? And you know, when you're thinking of like a questionnaire for joining a podcast, that's not something you think about typically. I hope not. What podcast are you joining? It's it's interesting. But uh, I'm actually gonna be changing it to um would you consider yourself a blade of grass? or a door handle, and why? And based upon those answers, it, it tells me so much about the person. Um, so that so I would ask them that. And then my, my second question would probably be, how are you? Hmm. Because for, for main reasons, and, and this might be a personal thing, but when they look at me and they say, okay, but I... You know, I'm, I, I would feel like I'm a good body reader person and it doesn't feel like they're OK, then, you know, that that tells me certain things about a person. And, you know, uh, depending on any person that could be for different reasons, but I appreciate asking, how are you? And then they'll say, OK, typically. But then I'll ask, mm-hmm. but how are you? I'm not asking, how are you? I'm asking, how are you? I'm asking because I care. I'm not asking to out of 
regular conversation, something quote unquote society is supposed to care about. No, I'm asking because I care about you as the person. And so the second time that I ask it, and depending on where I emphasize the word, that kind of like a geode breaks them open. Because then mm-hmm. it's like, wow, this, they, you know, they care. They're, they're not asking, oh, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, Bill, whatever. Yeah. No, it's, it's how are you? How are you doing? I, I care. Let's sit down. Let's, let's have a conversation, you know? And yeah. so th- those are uh, probably my uh, two questions. I like I like the question I used to do um, w- with people I was a little closer with, but maybe not my best friends. I used to say, um, you know, hey, how are you doing? And then you get the standard response, probably most places in the world, but certainly in our part of the country. Most people go, yeah, I'm fine. And then because that's the standard thing. And then I would typically follow up with, although I've quit doing this. I used to follow up with, is that how you're really doing or is that the answer that sounds good? Um, and. And I quit asking it because my intent was pure, but I think the question sounds standoffish. Um, But I liked a lot of the responses that I got. So that was the weird position that it put me in is that I loved, I didn't love the response because I loved listening a response. I love the response because people would actually start to give me like a real idea of how they're doing, right? Similar to what you're saying. So if I say, how are you? And you say, good. And then I say, is, is that how you really are feeling? Or is that the answer that sounds good? Most people say the first part, because that's just what you're expected to say. If you're walking down the street in most parts of the country, maybe not New York city, you, you can nod at somebody go, how you doing? And they're going to go, how you doing right back? Cause that's kind of what you're expected to do. Right. Um, and so I would love when people would start giving real, like, you know, like that, it, it almost, it's almost what you're asking is how's your heart? Like, how, how are you, how, how are you at really, truly deeply feeling, which is exactly what you're alluding to. Um, but again, I quit asking it cause it felt, it felt standoffish. And I think yours is probably a softer way to do that without people that are skeptical thinking that you're trying to get a rise out of them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, um, with my two questions, um, I would probably ask a couple things. First of all, I would probably ask um, what event or events have have shaped you most in your life. Um, I feel like you're going to get a pretty – it's open-ended and you're going to get a pretty good idea of why that person who is who they are, at least from a personality standpoint or – you know, maybe their professional situation, you know, what shaped you most that it, they might talk about, you know, well, I went to school for this because of my parents and or I, I chose this path because I wanted to go live on a beach or whatever. And then I would also probably just genuinely want to know what, what are you passionate about? Um, and with the big disclaimer asterisk next to it, like, you don't have to tell me what you do for a job. If you happen to be passionate about it, that's fine. Um, you know, please talk about that. But like, it doesn't have to be what you do for a career. Um, I, I always kind of joke that like, you know, why is it when you're an adult, people quit asking what your favorite dinosaur is, right? Like, maybe I still have a favorite dinosaur. And maybe I'd rather talk about that than my job. Um, but I think if people just know that they have the space and freedom and a nod in a it, have a non judgmental space to just talk about what they're genuinely into. Um, then that's fine. If so, I, if somebody wants to talk about how they love Dragon Ball Z for 25 minutes or 
you know, how they're building a Lego modular city, you know, in their basement. Like, I genuinely want to hear about that if that's oh, what they're yeah. interested in. Um, and so probably those two questions, what has shaped you most in life and uh, what are you passionate about? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I guess mine, mine didn't really fit the question because it's not, you know, how are you doesn't really get to know person truly based on information but i would i i place uh as far as like you know regular talking to people i I would place their feelings as more valuable information than information so right never mind i take back my it it, it fits (laughs) it fits all right okay (laughs) so does jealousy have value in driving humans to improve themselves or is it a purely negative emotion? Mm, I'm going to go with the former. That actually seems like an easier question, I think, than than, uh, um, than you may be planned, at least from my point of view. I think, I think there's a, there's a healthy level of not. Okay. Let's say there's shades of jealousy. I think that would be understandable, right? So your buddy, your buddy wins the lotto for 50 bucks. You know, you're like, oh man, that would have been cool. Right. So technically that would be called jealousy, but that's a whole other level than like somebody, you know, took my spouse and kids away from me and, you know, I'm dealing with hard things in my life and I don't have custody of them. And I'm just, you know, that's a whole other kind of life situation. So I would say there's shades of jealousy and the lighter shades, um, have a healthy place in the world. You in a, in a, in a business sense, you would probably call that a healthy sense of competition, but there's probably a little bit of jealousy there. Like, and I think that's probably true with a lot of the pointless debates that we have around Marvel versus DC or iPhone versus Android or Xbox versus PlayStation, right? There's, yeah. there's always something that the other person does in those kind of healthy competitions. It's a little better than you, but you might have things that you do better than them. Yeah. And so I think there's always a little bit of that kind of poking, poking one side in the ribs going, well, yeah, but at least we have, you know, and then you hear that kind of reaction. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say generally, the lighter shades of jealousy are probably probably have a place in the world. I feel the same way about guilt. There's probably a healthy level of guilt. There's a lighter shade that's a healthy level of guilt. Um, somebody, you know, a, a kid doesn't really spend a, a teenager doesn't spend much time with their family, um, but maybe there's a a funeral in the family and another relative goes, Hey, I know you probably weren't going to go, but like you should do it for mom or you should do it for dad. Right. Um, that's probably like, what does it cost you? You know, it's probably way more meaningful that you go, even though you're a teenager and couldn't care less, you know, about some distant uncle there. That's probably a healthy level of that. Right. So I, I think jealousy is the same. I would totally be open to debating that with somebody, um, in a really laid back way, because maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think there's a little bit of legitimate, you know, um, fear of missing out a little bit of competition mixed in there. Um, and probably some shel- healthier shades of, uh, of jealousy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And I mean, like, you know, not that there is a right or wrong answer to any of this really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would, I would definitely say, yeah, generally I would put faith in that jealousy, uh, drives humans to improve. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think any emotion 
can be a pure well okay never mind i take that back um I yeah I, I think for the most part jealousy uh, in a lot of these are situational I I can definitely see situations where it's it's no no you didn't really need to be jealous uh but I guess it, that's that's so much up to the person uh, an individual case but I think for like a general yeah I would say jealousy drives humans to improve themselves for a most part for a blank statement um, yeah. An example I'll I'll throw out there. Uh, I recently happened to have watched the Friends reunion on HBO Max, and there was a a brief snippet. I don't know if you've ever watched the show or if you watched the reunion, but um, something that was kind of a big deal at the time: the cast, the six main characters, because this this was um, truly an ensemble show. They all took the same; they took equal pay until the Mm -hmm. end of the show from the beginning until the end. And that was some advice they got early on from, uh, I think one of the directors. Um, I, th- I was thinking about that. And I think that's a perfect example of like that show, whether you like it or not, the people who already don't like it won't care, but for the people that like it, jealousy and, and the amount of pay that they were getting, had that even been slightly different could have really wrecked that show. Yeah. Um, and it ended up going on to be, you know, 10, 10 years of critical acclaim. Um, and, uh, and, and it's been on reruns for, you know, 20, almost 20 years that it's been off the air and it gets bought by every streaming company that, that wants it in their catalog. Um, but that could have super changed the dynamic of that show. And that's kind of an innocuous example. Like nobody really cares if the friends actors, um, make more or less money than their peers, but it's a good example that happens to be front of mind because that, that show could have ended early. Somebody could have left the show and been recast. That was the whole energy. Um, and, and the casting was very well done for the main cast. And so, um, that was just something I was thinking about recently. That's a really good example of, um, even a little bit of that, there probably was some of it, but even a little bit of that could have really wrecked something good. Um, and so if you're a fan of the show, thank goodness that, that they all took equal pay until the end. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a pop culture example. Some people might appreciate. Yeah, I, I definitely understand and see that. Um, what do you think your future self will remember about you now? Yeah. That's a great question. Probably the hardest yet. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be, but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I, that's okay. I what well, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, I was just thinking the my future self asked me one more time. Uh what so basically looking, you know, in the future, looking back, what will you remember about today? about this year or about your past. So what do you think your future self will remember about you now? I think, um, you know, I think one emotion comes to mind, which is just straight up. Wow. Because (laughs) (laughs) it's all perspective, right? I, I, I seem like a decent human being. I, I seem, uh, very, easygoing, very energetic. You know, I do a lot YouTube and and all that stuff, but it wasn't always like this. I wasn't always this um, talkative or uh, able to think about philosophy questions such as these. And so today, 
I can understand having been through a very rough, rough life and then standing here today where it's not, you know, it's not the best, but it's better. And the the amount of change in my personality and the amount of change in my work ethic and how I treat other people has changed drastically, not only in the last 10 years, but the last three years. And, you know, because I've been through the rough, I, I'm able to shine, uh, shine like a diamond. Anyway, um, I'm able to appreciate things that other people might not be able to do. And so considering how much I'm doing today, how much I'm scheduling, how much I'm on top of it, how much amazing things I'm, I consider right now I am accomplishing, you know, Mm -hmm. in the future, looking back, it's just straight up. Wow. You know, like not, it's I would be sitting in awe, you know, and with how I'm going and in, in projections of the future, you know, I, I can only I, I if I could meet my future self right now and just shake his hand, obviously, you know, something terrible might happen. I mean, hope not. We never do. But um, just to shake his hand and be like, wow, we did it. I think it works both way. I'm I'm in awe of what I can do in the future, and I'm in awe of what I'm doing today. Uh, future perspective, past, but I I think that's just yeah. That that's yeah. That's my answer. That's awesome, man. I you know it's funny. I I'm a big fan of The Office, and when you asked me the question, my brain went to Andy Bernard, an Andy Bernard quote, which uh, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I haven't had a very hard life. <laughs> you know? uh, and I, I don't know that that's true. And, and in fact, parts of my life probably have been, would be considered hard from the outside looking in, but a very different kind of hard than what other people deal with, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like in hindsight, I would look back and realize, um, and I would be very grateful for where I am now. Mm. Um, I think it's easy it's easy to take for granted a lot of the things that we appreciate or that, that, that we don't appreciate and that we're, we're given um, living in the country that we live in. And I'm not one of the people that's like America is the greatest country that's ever existed in all of the universe and history and time and space. Mm-hmm. However, we, we do have things far better than a lot of, of people Um, and on top of that, I would say the same for my family and a lot of the friends that I've had over my lifetime and for my spouse and my kiddo. And, um, I, you know, I remember it, it's been an interesting economic situation. So I'm in my mid thirties. Um, so I'm, I'm old, the older end of millennial, right? So, um, it's been an interesting ride economically for a lot of the millennials who's, who've lived through, know, um, more expensive college tuition than any other generation, Mm. 2008 financial downturn, housing crisis, you know, whatever, all the stuff that we've gone through. Um, 
but I, I've been pretty fortunate, um, even in the last year in COVID, you know, I, I didn't lose my job in, in 2008. I, I was never unemployed then. I didn't lose my job in the last year. Um, I had a kid and, and I had a job and I have a spouse and we all had health insurance, you know, and, and for yeah. anyone not in the U.S., they don't know that that's a big deal. But in the U.S., that is a big deal <laughs> because it's not something we're guaranteed. And so, um, you know, I look at my childhood and the people that I had around me, both family and not, and my siblings and my parents and my extended family and how much time I got to spend with family growing up and having good I've, I've always had good friends around me. Um, you know, sure. There's, there's kind of the crazy friends that we all have, but the majority of mine have been level headed, good, kind, caring people. Um, and, uh, I've, I've always been in, in fortunate situations for employment for, from, you know, from my point of view. So, um, I, I think just grateful, like I, I, there, there's very little I would complain about. And frankly, even if I could make a list, it's not worth repeating. Um, and so I, I, that, that's, that would, that's how I sum it up, I guess. Um, I'll use the word grateful. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, I, I, I kind of nitpick conversations a little bit, sorry, but I'm going to, I'm going to, the, the couple of words you said, it's hard outside looking in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt that on so many levels because to me, my life is life, mm -hmm. but, but I can understand that other people viewing my life is <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a, wow, you did a lot. It's wow. You're still alive, you know, mm -hmm. but to me, that's life to me, that chaos is life. And so that's yeah. what allows me to do so much today. And like, you know, uh, just running through talking with my friends, running through just today's schedule. And they're like, dude, you're doing way too much. And I was like, really? This is just this is Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the term for that is workaholic, but <laughs> well, but but it doesn't feel that. Well, yeah. it, it's not work if you enjoy it. All right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, there's no judgment yeah. for me. I'm just, you know, that's yeah. that's what people say. Yeah. And like, you know. And it's interesting you say that because like of how much I'm doing for me personally, I feel like I can be doing so much more. I have the capacity to do more than what I'm doing currently. And honestly, that gets me a little excited for the future. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously, you know, fear, fear of burning myself out. But, you know, to me, that's just burning myself out is just Monday. It, not actually. I, I'm I'm a lot better than that now, but yeah. But that's the, the but to other people, that's what it views as, I, I suppose. And you know, and for that, like, yeah, you you touched on it, and you know, kind of upset. I didn't think about it at first. Um, it, I'm grateful, so grateful. Uh, it life is not easy i don't did anyone say it was it's not it's not but it's worth it uh going back to one of my quotes that i i like to use quite often when talking to people that are um having a bad day and i i typically say you cannot appreciate the good days when you haven't had a bad day and yeah. 
I I think you know once once you put that put that into perspective, many people in uh, today and around the world in our younger generation that is uh, extremely riddled with depression more than any generation that it's bad. Yeah. I feel for you. I'm here for you. Let's talk. But also you're going to appreciate life so much more than I could ever think of. You're going to appreciate it so much more. You're going to appreciate being happy so much more. Uh, you can't have good without bad and you can't have bad without good vice versa but yeah i i think if that was my last note to in the entirety of humanity touching back on the last episode is one you know one or two messages respect everyone respect Mm -hmm. and secondly it's bad but it's gonna get good you know good bad there we go yeah, I love that. I, you know, I think at least the internet generally agrees that modern America has had a couple gems of human beings um, mm. that uh, that we've got to see, sort of witness and experience life. And I think one of those is Bob Ross and um, the painter. For yeah. anyone not familiar, I don't know how you couldn't be, but if you're not, um, <laughs> no judgment. Just Google Bob Ross. Anyways, yeah. so he's got a quote, and I believe the internet's welcome to correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this quote came uh, shortly after his wife had passed away or gotten some sort of serious diagnosis, but it's exactly what you're saying. It, uh, the quote is you got to have opposites, light and dark, dark and light in painting. It's like in life, got to have little sadness once in a while. So, you know, when the good times come, I'm waiting on the good times now. And so, yeah, it was, it was one of those, you know, I appreciate the authenticity. It was authenticity before authenticity was hip, right? So like <laughs> him just being uh, before it was trendy. It's him just being so authentic with like, look, there's good and bad, and like y- you know, you need the bad to see the good, and I'm waiting on that now. Um, you know that that's that's something that if a lot of people said out loud to people that cared about them, you know, the world would feel much healthier. Um, and so yeah, I think you're spot on, man. Well, thank you. Um, if you'd like to take a moment, go ahead and shout out some of your stuff. We're, we're going to be ra- ra- uh, uh, winding down here in a in a moment. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, so uh, I do a lot of different things, but the only thing that anyone would care that I do is uh, I also I host a podcast as well, um, which is absolutely nothing like uh, what I've sounded like tonight. It's <laughs> it's much lighter. Um, sometimes thoughtful, but generally I'm an idiot and, uh, and we have a lot of fun. So, um, if you want to find the podcast, it's called from the middle and, uh, the entire premise, uh, it's, it's myself, uh, as a host, my brother and a good friend. And, uh, our whole premise is that we're three middle-class guys living in the middle of America in the middle chapters of our lives with points of view somewhere in the middle. And, um, that, that whole thing really translated, um, just boils down to we we got really sick of the loudest, most obnoxious, most polarizing voices driving discussion around media. Um, and I think a lot of us are tired. You can think of that like clickbait. You can think of that like obnoxious entertainment or news hosts. We're not a political show. That's not what we do. Um, but we're comedy, culture, entertainment, and do a lot of interviews. Um, and in fact, um, we do on occasion get more serious. Um uh, we, we just had a mental health expert, um, come on our show, you know, for May with mental health awareness. 
um, recently, and that was a really great episode. But we've also had stand-up comics and uh, doctors and news anchors. We don't do interviews all the time, but um, we just want a much more reasonable, moderated, I hate to use the word centrist, that's a bad word on the internet, but a much more reasonable, uh, moderate take on things instead of just being a loud, obnoxious voice in the world. So um, if any of that is at all remotely interesting to anybody, um, we would be absolutely honored if you would check us out. Uh, you can Google at from the mid pod, just like it sounds um, from the mid pod. Um, we're on all the platforms for social media, at least the important ones. You can find our podcast everywhere that you find podcasts and on YouTube. And, um, and uh, yeah, check out our, our shows. There's plenty of different topics for you to uh, find what interests you and, and listen to an episode or two. We'd appreciate it. Amazing. It sounds like you're in the middle. Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere from the middle. Yep. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and literally the middle of America as highlighted, we were talking before we hit record. We're both in, in the Midwest, although yeah. that's a very large part of the United States. Um, well, we're both uh, in the Midwest of the United States. So literally doing yeah. a podcast from the middle, um, but also uh, spiritually and, and uh, metaphorically from the middle as well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You know, not to brag, but you know, Kansas is the middle. Just saying, uh, it's true. I, you know, I don't know why Ohio and even Western PA is considered like the Midwest. It's really? kind of the running, what? it's kind of the running joke that even we're aware of that. Um, <laughs> but people didn't like it when we use the slogan like "the heart of it all" because Ohio is kind of shaped like a heart, and so I think we backed away from that. It felt like an insult to everybody else, which was not intended. Unless you're from Michigan, in which case we did meet it as an insult. And uh, football rivalries are alive and well. I, I think it's bad when your your uh, state is self aware of how bad it, the, the joke is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it sounded really nice, uh, you know, initially. Um, but uh, it, maybe it sounded cocky down the road. I don't know. We got away from that, the heart of it all kind of phrasing or whatever. It's been a while. That's I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Um, but it, it sort of plays into the fact that Ohio's kind of state, the, the state of the shape, shape of the state, excuse me, is shaped like a, like a heart. So what are you going to do? It was just yeah. the easiest thing they could throw on a license plate, right? Of course, it was the easiest thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's not like we needed the astronauts from Ohio already left the state, you know, so it's like whoever was left came up with like, well, it's kind of in the shape of a heart. So um, maybe we could use that. Now, this is much more in the theme of our podcast, if this is what you're into. It's like um, so, so, like mayors walking down the side. humor. Like mayors walking down the sidewalk sees a sign and he's like, kind of looks like a heart. The heart, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just gets yeah. that out of nowhere. <laughs> that simple, right? And no, and we never turned back. It was just like, yeah, it kind of does look like a heart. Let's run with it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so much more in line with our actual podcast, self-defecating humor and uh, comedic takes on you know our favorite kind of mashed potatoes. So, I oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to talk about that later. <laughs> we value Midwesterners. We value our mashed potatoes. <laughs> Okay, so do you want do you want our regular question on the podcast for if you were a guest on my show, would you like me to ask you the regular questions about mashed potatoes? Yeah, but yeah, let's okay. go with it. So the main questions that we want to know: smooth or lumpy smooth. in your mashed potatoes? Smooth. smooth. Okay. Skins in or out? Uh, 
so I don't actually care, but I just happen to have it skins in. But I don't mind. Yeah, and and it's beautiful because there, there's so many different things you can do with a potato and things you can put on top of a potato. Um, we just love to talk about it. And and really, the answers almost don't matter. Uh, <laughs> any way that you eat them is generally going to be delicious. Yeah. I tend to be lumpy with skins in kind of guy. That's kind of how I like mine. Some people like to do the sour cream and onion kind of mashed potato flavoring. Also delicious. Not opposed. Garlic. Yeah. Throw some garlic. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, garlic and butter. Yeah, do a little bit of that. Do it up. Yeah. I think the problem with, like, uh, potatoes is, like, you can easily, easily oversalt them. Sure. Okay, I take that back. You can oversalt, like, any food in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Salt is just how that works. But, like... Mashed potatoes is probably the only thing that I add salt to. I forget who famous. I think it was Mr. McDonald himself who interviewing like his like uh, business partners. If they tasted the food before they salt and peppered it, he would consider hiring them. But if they didn't, if they just salt and peppered it without tasting it, he he wouldn't even consider it. And I, I can actually get behind that line of thinking. I'm. I'm the kind of person, uh, Midwest, uh, U.S. generally means if you go to a restaurant and your order's wrong, you're probably not going to say anything about it. No. And so uh, I'm the kind of person that I try to not change how food comes out to me. Mm. And I try not to do anything to it until I've at least tried it. So I can actually get behind that line of thinking. And I would also generally prefer the chef or the cook to prepare it how they see uh, the dish yeah. The life past, right? So like I don't want to manipulate it unless I absolutely have to. There's a lot of people in our part. I, I won't speak for Kansas, but I will speak for Ohio. There's a <laughs> lot of people who like to start dumping like hot sauce on things before that they've mm. e- before they've even tried it. Um, but I agree with that line of thinking. I think you do need to try it kind of as is, and then yeah. you can add a little bit extra flavor if needed. Yeah, especially if you go to like a restaurant. The chef crafted that meal very specifically. They're the uh-huh. expert. That's like that's like going up to the con- the civil construction worker guy. Like, hey, can you draw me up some plans? And then changing everything he does. You right. don't. You don't do that. He's the expert. You leave the structural integrity to him, not you. And so right. you you gotta you gotta take a taste before you that's- decide to change it. So what I was saying before, uh, not all opinions are equal because sometimes there's an expert in the room and you need to let them be the expert. Mm. And if a chef is going to cook meat, typically it's going to be medium rare, would be their preference of how to serve it. So that's how I consume everything. Uh, because if they think that's the best way to serve it, 99% of the time, that's how I'm going to eat it. So this is why we have a podcast. We have our own because these are important potato and meat-based discussions that need to be had. I'm so glad that I could give my viewers a sample of your podcast. <laughs> and I don't yeah. mind it. I completely don't yeah. mind it. I, I enjoy it. That's awesome. And, and that wasn't even like an extended plug for the show. Like it's just legitimately <laughs> important in the Midwest to talk about potatoes. Yeah. We were just um, talking like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just the conversation that you have, you know, at a cookout or whatever. So, uh, but thank you, Jonathan. It's been a total pleasure coming on the show, man. Uh, I, I don't want to drag it out with any more potato talk. We'll take that offline for a few more hours. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. It, it's been fantastic coming on your show. Amazing. Yeah. That's Dylan from the, uh, the, what was the name again? 
That's hard because our show is from the middle. So you can't say from, from the middle, but we are, I'm one of the hosts of the, from the middle podcast, from the middle uh, podcast, from the middle podcast at from the mid pod everywhere. You can Google it and you'll see all of our pages and, and listening platforms and all that jazz. All right. And I'm Jonathan. This was internet's breadth. Have a good day and keep on thinking.